first draft again. Uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all rich white men wearing wigs are created equal. What do you think? Lose the wigs. Fine. Betsy Ross, what do you think? Assholes. Well, there are a few of us in America who desire a more profitable type of government. When you think about it, the competence of totalitarian nations is much higher than ours. They get things done. They get things done. They get things done. The competence of totalitarian nations is much higher than ours. They get things done. The competence of totalitarian nations. Totalitarian nations. Totalitarian nations. Visible listeners, it's so good to know that you are out there somewhere listening. I can't see you, but I know that you're out there. Gosh, you could be right next door to me, right down the street from me, or thousands of miles away. I don't know. But it also occurs to me that you cannot see me either. Aha! 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 I've got you! You cannot see me either. So for all you know, I could be sitting here stark naked right in front of the microphone. Oh my goodness! What? What? What did she sort of say? Oh my goodness. Oh, oh gosh. Now, what's going on in your mind right now? Occupy your mind. Are you visualizing me as a skinny, bikini-clad supermodel sitting in all my glory in front of the microphone? Maybe I'm an out-of-work stripper, you know, just playing around with the mic. Or maybe I'm a middle-aged, overworked, harried housewife sitting around, farting around, eating donuts because I'm depressed because my husband never came home from work and I think he's cheating on me with the lady who works at the bowling alley down the street. Or maybe I'm not here at all. Perhaps I'm a ghost. Or AI. Perhaps I'm artificial. No, I'm actually still human. I really am. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not a politician. And I'm not a doctor, so I'm telling you the truth. (laughs) This is science. Scientific evidence shows that I am real at the moment, anyway. Now remember, whatever it is that's crossed your mind when I explain to you that you cannot see me, and you start to, did you start to visualize me? What did, what, what crossed your mind at that moment? How do you see me? What do you think I look like? What am I wearing? <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> Whatever crossed your mind tells you a little bit of something about you, right? Right? And that's what this show is all about, is occupying your thinking for yourself, thinking independently, but most important, being aware of what we're thinking and what's going on inside our head. Because a lot of times our thoughts are not our own. We think that they are, but a lot of our thoughts are planted in our head by influences all around us in our environment, what we see happening all around us, um, you know, and what we find from, from mass media, whether we watch television, listen to the radio, or are online watching YouTube videos, or on Instagram, or Facebook, or Telegram, or Float, or Bitchute, or whatever, wherever we are. All these things influence us, actually. 
our environment really has a big influence on us, and we forget that sometimes. So there's a method to my madness today, and what I was trying to do was perhaps put a little tiny smile on your face, maybe even make, make you chuckle a little. Did I make you chuckle? What if your name is Chuck? Chuck, did you chuckle, Chuck? Did you chuckle, Chuck? No. Anyway, because I think right now it seems that the world is falling apart, and <laughs> at least for some of us, it, it really does seem that way. And so I think it's important to, to still be able to laugh sometimes. We need to find ways to enjoy life in spite of everything that's happening. We have to have these little moments of fun, these little moments that put smiles on our faces. And so that's why I try not to get too darn depressing on this show, not because I don't take things seriously, but because I do take things seriously, and I know how much some people are hurting right now. And I don't, I have also talked to some political activists who are, seem to be starting to give up and get discouraged. And, you know, we need to take care of our mental health. We need to, to still be human, not let them take away our humanity. And that means listening to music and looking at beautiful art and laughing at funny jokes or, or bad jokes in the case of, you know, me. <laughs> this podcast. I know what you're thinking. I can read your mind. I'm psychic, actually. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, she'll never make it as a stand-up comedian. Well, you're right. I never did make it as a stand-up comedian. Did I try to make it as a stand-up comedian? No, I never even tried to make it because I knew I wouldn't make it. So I didn't make it. Anyway, so what's your point? What's my point? Okay. We just need to, to, to make sure not to let all this stuff overwhelm us. And we need to make sure to just keep taking actions. You know, every small action you do, maybe it's to boycott Amazon and say, I'm not going to buy from Amazon anymore. Um, I'm going to, even if I order something online, it's going to be from a smaller company or lesser known company. You know, um, I'm going to support these lesser known uh, businesses. And uh, I'm going to support my friends. I'm going to support other people who are like-minded. I'm going to form relationships with people and not socially distance. You know, there are things that we can do, and sometimes it seems that the little things we do don't make a difference. I've gone to protests, and I thought, oh, this protest is lame. It's not doing anything. But you know what? The fact that they send the police after protesters and, you know, attack the protesters and, and sometimes violently arrest the protesters, that shows that protests do make a difference. The powers that be do care when we're protesting. Otherwise, they would not send the police after us, you know, and they would not pass laws limiting how we can protest. They wouldn't be passing laws trying to stop our freedom of speech. They wouldn't be censoring us on sites like Facebook and YouTube and Google, Google. They wouldn't be censoring us if our opinions did not matter. Your opinions do matter. Your voice does matter. The things that you're doing do matter. Everything that you do matters. It does. So please don't give up on that. Please don't forget that they would not be censoring us if our voice didn't matter. You matter. So keep speaking out. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep standing up for truth. And that's what I'm doing here. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm nonpartisan. I actually come from a very liberal, 
radical democratic socialist background. Guess what? George Orwell was a democratic socialist too. Oh yeah, baby. So I don't believe that our problems are caused by socialism or even communism, unless you want to say communist China. And some pretty credible, reputable people are suggesting that communist China seeks to gain from all of this. So they could be implicated in this. Um, but a lot of this is actually, a lot of our problems today are a result of big business, big corporations. You know, businesses incorporate so that they aren't held responsible, so that they aren't held accountable for their actions. Um, corporate lives matter, people. Corporate lives matter. Maybe what you need to do is put a, a sign in front of your house, your apartment, your store that says, corporate lives matter. Rich white people's lives matter. <laughs> that's, really, that's really what we're dealing with. OK, all right. <sighs> Am I being controversial enough today? I don't know. Maybe not. So what I wanted to do today is actually tell a story. It's a personal story uh, from my, my life that I think might be interesting to some, some folks out there, my invisible listeners out there. So when I was a child, I had a very um, unusual childhood, I guess you could say. And one of the things that happened to me was I went to school with another child who um, had also had a very, very difficult and traumatic childhood and as a result developed a severe mental illness and this is you know I'm, I'm just I'm gonna tell this story because I've seen corruption in the pharmaceutical industry my whole life ever since I was a child literally I have seen how corrupt the pharmaceutical industry is so this child I went to school with I saw her uh, when we were in high school, she was released from the hospital and all drugged up and puffy from these psychiatric drugs. Uh, many of these psychiatric drugs that are prescribed to the mentally ill cause weight gain, among other health problems. And so here she was, a kid, a teenager, all puffy and bloated and very far away in speaking, you know, very weak very heavily sedated, could barely move. Um, and this is what they called treating her mental illness. You know, see how much better she is now? Look how well she's doing. She's all drugged up and can barely move. Isn't that wonderful? You know, and it really seems that uh, these psychiatric drugs exist to make life easier for people who have to interact with the mentally ill. You know, so that they don't have to deal with the problems of the mentally ill person. But what do they do for the person who actually suffers from the mental illness other than to just sedate them so they, they're too weak to do anything? And I actually heard Dr. Peter Bregan say that in an interview once um, for one of my psychology classes. Um, I saw a wonderful interview that he did where he, he said that basically. A lot of times these drugs are just there to help the people who have to deal with the mentally ill person. <laughs> and they And they help the caregivers more than they do the person with the illness. So anyway, back to my story. So this friend of mine, she'd gotten out of the hospital. She was all drugged up and puffy and weak and could barely speak. And I remember her just looking at me and saying, hi, Mary, in this very weak voice. And, you know, 
it seemed like her soul had been suppressed. You know, it was almost, you know, now I just have a vision of her soul, her spirit tied to a chair, just all tied up to a chair with a muzzle, a mask, a cloth mask over her mouth, preventing her from speaking, you know, or making it hard for her to speak. And so, yeah, it was just like her soul was trapped inside her body and she could barely move, barely speak. She was a teenage girl, and instead of being bubbly and bouncy and full of life and full of joy as a teenage girl, she was just heavily sedated and barely able to move and forced into a calm, acquiescent state. And some people called that treatment. <laughs> yeah. So fast forward, fast forward many years later, and now here I am, a grown-up, a grown-up adult. And guess what I did, because I lead such an exciting life. I went to the library, the public library, because they weren't locked down, they were opened up. And I went in there, and I saw a woman who worked at the library, who I had seen different times when I'd, when I'd gone in there. Um, Mainly, I just I need to use their computer equipment, um, their computers and their internet access. <laughs> My internet access isn't the greatest right now. So, so I went in there and saw this lady I knew, and I said, hey, how you doing? You're back at work. That's great. You know, I'm glad that you're able to, um, to come back to work now, that you're not locked down anymore. And she just said weakly, yeah, me too. I'm so glad to be back in this very pathetic, very hopeless, very depressed kind of voice, you know? And she was all, she's also kind of puffy, you know, and plump and, you know, heavy set. And, you know, I just, I kind of went up to her and, and spoke to her um, to, you know, ask how she was doing and things like that. And I saw that it appeared she was wearing not one, but two masks that were clinging very tightly to her face. Two. Two masks. Two pieces of cloth. I mean, I, I don't understand how this woman was even able to breathe. Seriously. I, I mean, I have a hard time breathing with just one mask over my nose. I really do. I almost passed out in a public place not too long ago because of it. Thanks, Cuomo. Thank you. Okay. Put down the middle finger. Let's continue the story. Okay, so, so I, you know, I felt like I was talking to a child again, and so I wanted to be very careful of what I said, and I, I felt really bad, really sorry, very sorry for this person, and so I just kind of looked at her and I said, um, "Excuse me, but um, are you?" are you wearing two masks? And she said, yes, I am. And I said, um, okay, why are you wearing two masks? And she said, well, the CDC says that two masks help to prevent the spread. We really should wear two. And I said, 
oh, um, do you think that that's true? Do you think that is true? Listen up, people. Here's what she said to me. Listen very carefully. She replied by saying, well, even if it isn't true, I'm keeping people safe. Even if it isn't true, even if it is not true that the mask prevents the spread, I'm keeping people safe. She actually said that. She contradicted herself. Yes, she did. And the way she said it, I'm telling you people, it was like she was in a hypnotic trance. I'm not kidding. It was like listening to someone who was just, you know, hypnotized. And she was just repeating something that she'd heard. Even if it's not true, I'm keeping people safe. It was kind of like that, you know? It was just bizarre. And I almost wanted to cry. I really did. I just felt so bad. And I, I quickly changed the subject, you know, because <laughs> obviously this was just not going to go anywhere. Um, but I thought about it later on, and I realized why it made me so sad and why, why I felt so bad about this. You know, clearly it reminded me of this experience I'd had so long ago. I was talking to another mentally ill person. And this person had been made mentally ill by the criminals who have taken over our country and our world. The damage they are doing to people, it's just un unbelievable, really unreal, <laughs> really unreal. Here I go, contradicting myself now. Um, no, but seriously, this was heartbreaking. You know, to see somebody wearing two pieces of cloth over their nose and their mouth, clearly that person is not breathing enough air, is not getting enough oxygen. Mind-boggling. Why? Where are the lawsuits? You know, I, I, I'd like to see more people filing lawsuits who are injured from the mask wearing. Now, I have the misfortune of living in New York State, and of course, I, I should be spending time packing right now instead of doing this podcast, but, you know, um, it's getting very strict here, even though we've been socially distancing, we've been mask wearing, and yet, oddly enough, we still seem to have a problem with the coronavirus. So clearly, the social distancing and the mask wearing are not helping things, yet people are still going along with it. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So, none of this makes sense. There's no logic to it whatsoever. It's just con artistry, con artists who have people convinced, people brainwashed, and, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I'm going to tell you a little bit more. There's a little bit more to this story. So, at that same library, at some point later on, I was sitting alone in a room. There was a little computer room. And I went in there to use some software that was available on the computer that I don't have available at home. So I was sitting in a room by myself. 
all by myself in a room. And an enormous, gigantic, round, Buddha-shaped, hermaphroditic security guard with a Buddha ponytail at the top of his head showed up. And in a an, an androgynous tone of voice that could have been a woman's or a man's voice, I, I mean, I couldn't place it, kind of explained to me that I was not wearing my mask properly. So this hermaphrodite, this Buddha boy, girl, whatever it was, did not like the way my mask was positioned on my face. And so I, I, I kindly explained, you know, I'm sitting in a room all by myself. There's nobody else in this room but me. And I wasn't even using the library computer. I was using my own personal laptop. So I wasn't even touching anything other than the table that my laptop was on, maybe. But, you know, outside of that, you know, it was just kind of me and my laptop. Well, Buddha boy, Buddha girl, whatever it was, this androgynous, hermaphroditic, fun-loving, ponytailed, overeating person said to me, your mask is not tightly clinging to your face, and it is not over your nose, and you're not wearing it properly, and it doesn't matter that you're by yourself in this room because we're going to have to come in and clean the room after you have been in it. Which is, you know, when you think about it, that's kind of insulting. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of, we need to clean the room because you touched something in this room. You were in this room. You know, really, this stuff is hurtful, actually. You know, just the fact that people act like they don't want to touch you and they don't want to get near you and they don't, won't shake your hand. It, it really is offensive. You know, it's, it's a form of rejection, even though we know why it's happening, because people are, I don't know, what, meatballs in their heads, what's going on <laughs> people's brains nowadays. I'm trying to not be mean. I'm trying to be a nice person here, but, you know, it's hard to be patient with the COVIDian cult members. It really is. Anyhow, so Mr. Buddha Boy uh, told me that I needed to pull the mask up over my nose, and I said, but I'm by myself. What difference, you know, I mean... It's ridiculous, and I have trouble breathing, and, and that's true. I actually do have trouble breathing, which is why I need to finish my packing and get the bleep out of New York State. New York State is just not a place to be. I don't know why anyone would want to live in New York State. It, it really is just awful. I mean, it's, it's never really been a good place to be, or not, not in my lifetime. It's, it's, it's expensive, and there's no reason for it to be expensive. The people are rude. They're not friendly. They're not pleasant. Um, there's huge division between the rich and the poor, uh, virtually no middle class. You're either dirt poor or you're rich. And then they talk about things like racism or sexism or whatnot. But women and minorities don't have it good in New York State at all, you know, uh, because there is virtually no middle class, and it's very hard to get ahead. It's very hard to succeed unless you come from a wealthy family. That's all that really seems to matter in New York State. So I'm not a fan of New York State. I'm done with this state. I don't know. I don't know. Anyhow, so here I am in New York, New York State. And so Buddha boy, girl, thing, hermaphrodite, whatever it was, tells me I have to leave the library because I'm not wearing my mask properly. So the Buddha escorted me out. I was escorted by a Buddha out of a library. Okay, that's basically what it amounts to. A Buddha 
kicked me out of the library. <laughs> yep, I got kicked out of a library. <laughs> you know, the, these kinds of things only seem to happen to me. I just really, I don't know. I was kicked out of a library. I thought I was going to go to jail or something, the way the security guard was treating me, wanted to see my ID and everything. No, I'm not going to give you my ID. Although if Buddha Boy is listening to this podcast, <laughs> you know, he'll find out who I am. And there is that law, A416, that they're considering in the Senate, which says they can drag people from their homes and hold them indefinitely in some sort of camp or hospital facility, whatever. So people like me need to really get out of New York State because it's just not safe to be human in New York State anymore. And poor old Buddha Boy girl, whatever, is, is going to suffer too because it looks to me like they're attacking the libraries, really, ultimately. I mean, I was kicked out of the library. I didn't have a very good experience in there, but I gotta say that public libraries are not what they want. It seems to me that these big corporations that have taken over our country and taken over the world don't want us to have access to public libraries. I don't think they want us to have access to public spaces in general. They don't want us to own anything or to have any control over our lives or even of our bodies. They certainly don't want us to go into libraries where we can have free access to books that we can read or to, to the opportunity to have an education of any kind. And so I, I really think that this, this, uh, these measures being taken at the library where you're, you're not allowed to even sit in a room by yourself without a mask covering up your nose, I think it's just a way of discouraging people from using the library. In fact, women wear cloth over their faces to cover their faces in countries where women don't have rights, where women don't have basic civil rights. And it's a way of discouraging women from going out places, and it's a way of anonymizing women, of taking away their individuality, and their freedom of speech, and it makes it hard for people to distinguish women as individuals, and it makes it hard for, for people to hear women speak. And that's what they're doing to all of us, right? But I do think, um, and again, this is just my opinion, I do think that, they, that their goal is, is to shut down public libraries and public spaces and so Buddha Boy is going to find himself out of a job at some point if that happens. And a lot of us are. As I mentioned in a previous podcast, I've already lost my jobs. And I'm just barely aching by doing freelance work. But this is what's going to happen to a lot more Americans. Which is why we need to learn to start helping each other and cooperating and working together again. Because whether we like it or not, we're going to have to reinvent ourselves and possibly reinvent new, brand new communities and brand new ways of life. At least that's the only th thing that I can think of as far as finding ways to survive what we're going through right now. I do believe that what we are dealing with is big business, big corporations primarily. I, I think China probably is involved. Um, I, you know, there is involvement there, but mainly what this is, this is a power grab by big business. 
Watch the documentary, The Corporation. Maybe we'll talk about it in a future podcast. The guy who made that documentary is making a new one, actually, because unfortunately he said, you know, it's really unfortunate, but I need to make another one. <laughs> uh, people didn't listen to the first one, so we need a second one. Uh, the Corporation is, uh, you know, a documentary that was made, gosh, over 10 years ago, and you can watch it for free online, and it's brilliant. It really shows in a very entertaining way um, how dangerous and diabolical and corrupt these big corporations are. And it's actually, it's a very pleasant documentary to watch. I mean, very entertaining documentary. It's, it's very well done. It's not a dry, boring, tedious documentary like, like some of them are. It, it really is very, very well done. So I encourage you, if you get a chance, to, to find it online and, and watch it. In any case, what my public library experiences have, have basically shown me is I really think that what is happening right now is not a liberal versus conservative or a Democrat versus Republican thing. Um, I don't even think it's a you know socialist, communist thing. I mean, I'm a democratic socialist, as was George Orwell. Um, um, and I've known people who've lived on communes, so I guess you could say they were communists. I don't think that that's what this is about, personally. My opinion is I think a lot of what we're dealing with in terms of this, this fake pandemic, this plandemic, this scandemic, whatever you want to call it, is blind obedience and trust in authority figures. That's really what we're dealing with. Obedience and trust in authority. And Americans, and perhaps people in other places too, have just become very, very docile, you know, and just ready to just do what they're told. And I think there's just a few of us who maybe we've seen corruption before, as I have, as I just explained. Um, and that's just one story. I could tell you many stories. Um, I have seen, since I was a child, corruption on the part of the pharmaceutical industry, and I always seem to be the only one who noticed, you know, and I still meet people who think big pharma is great, you know. Uh, I met somebody not too long ago who told me that she had social anxiety. In other words, she's extremely shy, and she needs to take medication for that for the rest of her life. No joke. Taking medication for the rest of your life because you suffer from extreme shyness. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, I just don't even know what to say. That is big pharma manipulating people big time. And I, you know, again, I've seen this over and over again in my life. I've seen people who are otherwise intelligent, well-educated, decent human beings, very nice people addicted to painkillers or other drugs prescribed by the pharmaceutical, well, by doctors, but doctors being influenced by the pharmaceutical industry. I've seen people's lives ruined by the pharmaceutical industry, these drugs that they just prescribe like candy. There was a case um, many years ago, actually, of a child. I remember reading, hearing about this, this uh, toddler who died because her doctor uh, prescribed heavy doses of uh, anti-psychotic drug to her because her parents were having some trouble controlling her. She was a child, and her parents 
you know, we're maybe they just were not maybe the best parents in the world. They didn't know how to control their child. They didn't know what to do, how to handle certain things that were coming up, her, her temper tantrums and things like that. And they went to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician said, here, give her these antipsychotic drugs. It sounds like your baby, your toddler, I, th I don't know, I think she's like two or three years old, is suffering from a serious mental illness <laughs> and needs to take these drugs. I mean, it's just bizarre, but that's really what happened. And apparently, um, the drugs killed the child. It was too, too heavy of a dosage. The, the doctor told the parents that they could just give the kid more pills if she became difficult, just give her more, you know. And the parents did that, and the child died. And so the parents went to jail, but the doctor did not go to jail. The doctor just um, temporarily, I think she temporarily lost her license or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. I, I have seen so many cases of corruption on the part of the pharmaceutical industry and doctors and so-called scientists. I've seen this my whole life. And um, there are a few of us who have. You know, I've, I've talked with immigrants. I've had friends from other countries who've told me, you know, you're lucky you're an American. In my country, if you say something the government doesn't like, you disappear, and you're never heard from or seen again. I've had friends tell me that. You know, this is what happens in my country. You Americans, you've got it so easy, you don't know. Right, we don't know. I think that's the problem. A lot of Americans just don't understand what goes on in some parts of the world what has gone on in many parts of the world all throughout history. You just, you never want to give your government too much power. You never want to give anybody too much power over you. Power corrupts, and it corrupts absolutely, and I thought that was something that everybody just knew. <laughs> For me, that was just common sense, but apparently not everybody gets that, and this is history repeating itself. Because as we talked about in a previous podcast, this ha has happened many times before. In particular, it happened in Nazi Germany. Because the Germ Germany was a very free and liberal and democratic country when Hitler took over. It was. And people just didn't think that anything bad could happen. You know, They just didn't believe that their government would do anything bad to them. So I guess what we're finding out is you just never know what's going to happen in the world, right? <laughs> you never know. Right. So this podcast is getting a little too long, and we're going to need uh, to end it. I thank you so much for listening, and sayonara, and ciao for now. And what I like to do is to occupy my mind. In other words, I like to take control of what kinds of thoughts are going on in my own head. What about you? Whoops. Looks like we've run out of time. So, what do you think? Is wearing a cloth over your nose and running away in fear from other people keeping you safe? Do you want your human body to be genetically modified and become a human GMO? Should other people be forced to have their bodies genetically modified? Were you a huge fan of the Nazis and happy they'd return to wreak further havoc on the entire world? Do you think Bill Gates should take the place of God or your higher power? Let us know. Until next time, occupy yourself, occupy your mind. Stay human.
stay independent and stay free. Not the sanitary napkin company. I mean, stay free as in remain free. Oh, never mind. <laughs>